today as we turn our attention to the Word of God. Uh, And we're going to be speaking from uh, a subject entitled Setting the Table. Setting the Table for Christmas. Amen. Setting the Table for Christmas. Just a little bit. uh, On today. And if you have your Bibles and would like to turn and we'll have the scriptures on the screen, uh, we're going to be speaking from the book of Second Samuel. Book of Second Samuel. And uh, we'll be uh, reading the verses there from that ninth chapter of the book of Second Samuel. Setting the table for Christmas. And when I think about the holiday season, as I said, the holiday season can bring uh, a myriad of different emotions. uh, From anticipation and joy to, oh God, I'm not ready for it yet. And it seems like that uh, during the holiday season, uh, the not only does the, uh, if we if we're not careful, does the stress increase, but uh, the feelings of loneliness uh, kind of uh, try to crowd in, uh, where it seems like that there's a lot of hustle and bustle and what have you. And to those that uh, are, uh, you know, dealing with loss, uh, seem like it intensifies uh, during the holiday season. I believe the holiday season can be a great opportunity for those of us that are uh, members of the body of Christ uh, to especially uh, reach out and connect and let our light shine. And as I said, most of us have been raised in a culture where uh, Christmas is observed and uh, the celebration of the season has been a part of our lives. Increasingly, I am uh, seeing individuals that, uh, for one reason or another, they uh, like to boast in the fact that uh, they don't celebrate holidays. Uh, they, they, They don't have any part in it and they... Uh, uh, try to ignore it completely and uh, they have their various reasons for it Uh, and many of them like to hearken back to uh, you know what somebody else did in the past or whatever Uh, but I tell you and 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 I'll be honest with you uh, myself that uh, the holiday season uh, is not the brightest spot on my calendar either and uh, it has to kind of do with uh, some things that I uh, observed and some things that I went through, some disappointments that I had as a child growing up uh, during the holiday season. And uh, uh, so, like I say, it's not, it's not the uh, brightest point on my calendar as well if I would go by my past experience. But... We've got to learn not to uh, allow our past 
to sour our futures. I was preaching on last Sunday about God's days begin at night. And I was telling you uh, that with that paradigm shift, uh, it, 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 if, if you will begin to see things through God's perspective, uh, it'll, change your, it, it'll, it'll change you for the better. So we're talking about setting the table for Christmas. And uh, I believe that once you come to know the Lord in a personal way, Amen. When you know the reason for the season, when you know him personally, uh, it'll begin to take on an entirely different dimension. And there comes a unique freshness to every Christmas season. I don't know about you, but when, when, when I put God and make God a, a, a part of it and give him priority in my life, not only is the season uh, uh, fraught with possibilities, but every day I wake up and I put my feet on the floor and I tell God, thank you for another day. Yes. Amen. A day that is full of possibility and purpose. Yes. It's more than just a kid in us when we talk about the holidays. Yes. But it's something that is uh, uh, fresh with renewal of wonder. And, 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 and what Christmas is really about. Oh yes, I know the world has commercialized it and, uh, and, and put their own spin on it and uh, what have you. But uh, if anybody needs to know how to celebrate the holiday and to celebrate Christmas, it is those who are Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's a, it, it offers us a unique opportunity uh, to let our light shine. Amen. Now, I'm going to be talking from a portion of the scripture uh, in the book of 2 Samuel. And I'm not purporting that uh, this uh, scripture that we're going to talk about is emblematic of Christmas, uh, except for the fact that I believe that uh, we get a glimpse of something about the heart of God in Second Samuel uh, chapter 9. Uh, we get a glimpse of the heart of God through the actions of David. Hallelujah. So let's take a look at the scripture. We're talking about setting the table for Christmas. And we're reading from the Christian Standard Bible. And beginning at 2 Samuel, the first verse, it says, David asked, is there anyone remaining from the family of Saul that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? There was a servant of Saul's family named Zilba, and they summoned him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Zilba? I am your servant, he replied. And so the king asked, Is there anyone left from Saul's family that I can show the kindness of God to? I want you to pay particular attention. Notice what David is saying. Uh, is there anyone left from Saul's family 
that I can show the kindness of God to. Can you say that with me? Is there anyone this month that I can show the kindness of God to? And Zilba said to the king, there is still Jonathan's son who was injured in both feet. And the king asked him and said, where is he? And Zilba answered the king, you will find him in Lodabar at the house of Machir, the son of Emil. And so King David had him brought from the house of Machir, the son of Emil, in Lodabar. I want you to say Lodabar. When, when you just say that, that name, uh, you get the idea that that's probably not a good place to hang out. Say it one more time, Lodabar. And I began to, uh, to do a little study, and as I did study and looked up what Lodabar, uh, the meaning of Lodabar, uh, the meaning, and, 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 and Lodabar was a location that was on the other side of the Jordan, away from uh, uh, Jerusalem and Judea. And the, the, the meaning of Lodabar uh, uh, was no pasture. Say that with me, no pasture. In other words, it's not a fruitful place. Lodabar is not a fruitful place. No pasture. Another, uh, uh, another uh, 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 definition of, of, of the word Lodabar means uh, no word. No communication. Amen. An out of the way place. A, 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 a place that it's a place uh, that you didn't particularly want to uh, have to live there. But it was a place where you could hide out. Load a bar. No pasture. Amen. You know, uh, 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 bare necessities. Amen. And this is where the. Uh, grandson of the first king of Israel who was Saul this is where his grandson was hiding out amen in and living with somebody else in Lodabar and Mephibosheth the son of Jonathan the son of Saul came to David or rather did I go back to verse 5 so King David had him brought from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell face down and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he, re- and he replied, I am your servant. And David said to him, don't be afraid. David said to him, since I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore to you all your grandfather's fields, and you will always eat meals at my table. And Mephibosheth paid homage and said, what is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me? Then the king 
summoned Saul's attendant, Zilpah, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson all that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to work the ground for him, and you will bring in the crops so your master's grandson will have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, is always to eat at my table. Now Zilba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Zilba said to the king, Your servant will do all my lord the king commands. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table just like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all those living in Zilba's house were Mephibosheth's servants. However, Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always, say that with me, always Always. ate at the king's table. table. And his feet had been injured. He was crippled. Hallelujah. Again, we have said that our subject today is setting the table for Christmas. Now, uh, I'm not going to say that this uh, passage in the Old Testament is emblematic or that points to the Christmas season. But I will say that uh, I believe the, 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 the heart and the attitude that was uh, demonstrated by King David uh, uh, does have to say a lot about the heart of God. Hallelujah. Now, let's dig a little deeper into the story of Mephibosheth. You see, his name, that's a name you can't say, you know, try to say that about three or four times real fast, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Um, The name Mephibosheth means a dispeller of shame. Amen. One that pushes back shame. One who could drive back the wolf from the door and the oppression of the adversary. One who would produce overcoming possibilities. You remember what I told you earlier in the service, how that the birth of a baby uh, uh, seems to invigorate a family. Uh, brings uh, uh, a fresh hope and, uh, 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 you know, even some of us that are old, amen, uh, it'll put a smile on our face. It'll, it'll, it'll have you spending money that you weren't intending to spend. It'll have you, amen, uh, going places you weren't intending to go. It's something about the birth, amen, of a child into a family. And when Mephibosheth was born, uh, his name uh, 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 kind of optimistically, and and, and you got to understand, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. And 
the character of Jonathan was such, if you read about, if you ever uh, take the time and read about the character of Jonathan, Jonathan, amen, was a striking individual, a courageous warrior, amen, had a heart uh, uh, for God and a heart, amen, uh, uh, toward God's anointed and uh, 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 and 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 bold, uh, uh, not fearful, uh, and uh, and so that was uh, uh, exemplified in Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan. And uh, I don't know if Mephibosheth was the first son Jonathan ever had, or if Jonathan had any other sons. I'd have to do some research, but I believe that when they named him Mephibosheth, a dispeller of shame. One who drives back the wolf from your door. The impression of the adversary. One who would produce overcoming possibilities. I believe that they, in naming Mephibosheth, they were looking at his daddy and say, he's going to be a chip off the old block. Hallelujah. Full of possibilities. Overcoming possibilities. Amen. But you know, sometimes it's not enough just to have the name. For you see, Mephibosheth was born at a time of great shame in his family, which was the household of Saul. Saul, the first king of Israel, uh, tall in stature and uh, uh, impressive in his countenance, and, but, but, but Saul was a weak man. Amen. Saul uh, began to uh, destroy uh, his ki- uh, the kingdom and his rule uh, with the mistakes that he made and uh, uh, in the missteps that he made and uh, Saul uh, uh, suffered from uh, manic depressive uh, and and uh, there were times that uh, he was suicidal and uh, I won't go into the uh, sordid history but uh, rather than leading Israel to the heights that uh, he should have, uh, Saul led Israel, amen, uh, to the depths, amen, to the point to where they uh, were at the brink of losing the war against the Philistines. And so Mephibosheth was born during a time uh, when the kingdom and rule of Saul was coming to an end. And in fact, When David came to power after the demise of Saul, uh, and let me say this, uh, the nations around Israel, when one king would go down and another king of another family would come to power, all of the relatives of the former king were in danger. Because many times the new king would make sure that they would exterminate the family of the old king so he wouldn't have anybody to challenge his reign. And that's how they operated. And so when David came to power, when Mephibosheth was still an infant, amen, the family nurse, when she heard news of Jonathan's death in battle and Saul's death Uh, as well, and that David had been made king, 
fear gripped her. And, uh, and, 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 she, and she was trying to do a good work and preserve the life of Mephibosheth. But, amen, uh, in her haste, she took the baby up in her arms and started running to try to get him to safety. And while running, she fell and fell while still holding the baby. And the baby was injured in his feet. From the fall. They didn't have. Orthopedic surgeons. And doctors that we have today. And so. Consequently. The result of the fall. Amen. And the, and the injury to. Uh, the baby's feet. Caused Mephibosheth. To be crippled the rest of his life. Hallelujah. You know something. I, I, I tell you Fear. Uh, you know, fear, uh, false evidence appearing real. Fear has robbed a lot of people of a lot of things. Amen. Fear has called people to hurt themselves. Uh, and, and, and sometimes the things, and, 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 and don't get me wrong, uh, there is a, uh, you know, I'm not saying be fearless and I'm not saying uh, uh, you know, go out and do anything and be reckless. Reckless is, is, is maybe a better word. I'm not saying be reckless. But uh, there, there are fears that are founded, and then there are fears that are unfounded. And I think sometimes uh, we do more damage from unfounded fears than we w- uh, would if we really face the thing head on. Mephibosheth was injured not on his part, but he was injured by somebody else who was trying to help. Sometimes people trying to help can hurt you. Hallelujah. Talking about setting the table for Christmas. So uh, David comes to power and is anointed the king. David begins a campaign to drive out uh, Israel's enemies. God gives David the victory over the enemies, and and David uh, 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 has overwhelming victories over the enemy, and God is blessing uh, the new leadership and the new rulership under David. And some time passes because, amen, now Mephibosheth is not a baby. Amen. But he's grown up and he's a young man now, but he's still crippled. And when David gets a little rest from uh, his battles and gets established, amen, he begins to reflect and David begins to think. And David says, for Jonathan's sake. David seeks to do justice and righteousness on behalf, amen, of the family of Saul. And he asked the question, is there anyone left from Saul's family that I can fulfill the covenant that I made to Jonathan? You'll find in the scriptures in 1 Samuel 18 and around 3, uh, it talks about how Jonathan loved David. 
and, 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 and God had knitted their hearts together and Jonathan recognized that David was the anointed. And they made a covenant with one another that they would look after, amen, not only did they look out after each other, but they would look, after, look out after the descendants of one another. And so for Jonathan's sake, David began to think about, you know, I made a covenant with Jonathan. I want you to, amen, I want you to think about that word covenant. He said, I made a covenant with Jonathan. And, and, and I want to know, are there any uh, uh, descendants of Saul, uh, any descendants of Saul that are left uh, that uh, I can be a blessing to him? You see, David wasn't acting like most of the heathen kings. He was looking, uh, not, not that he uh, uh, was, 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 was saying, I need it all to myself, but he was looking and said, are there any descendants of Saul's le- uh, left that I can be a blessing? Hallelujah. And when David finds out that Mephibosheth has been crippled, David didn't even know about it, and carried away into a distant community called Lodabar. He commands that the young man be brought before him. He said, go get him. Hallelujah. Go get him and bring him back to me. Oh, can you imagine the fear that gripped Mephibosheth when he heard that the king was sending for him? Amen. He's hiding out in Lodabar. No pasture, no word, no communication. Has anybody ever uh, spend an exterior pen, uh, uh, period of time in a place that maybe didn't have the same name as Lodabar, but was, amen, strangely uh, resembled Lodabar? Hiding out and thinking that you're cursed. Thinking that the shame, amen, your name, having to, having to uh, answer to a name that means the dispeller of shame, and yet uh, crippled and depending upon the hospitality of somebody else, and looking like everything but what your name is. Anybody ever had to do that? Anybody, amen, had to live like that? To where you look like everything but what your name says you're supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, in a place of no pasture, no communication, no word. Word comes. The king has called for you to come. Hallelujah. When Mephibosheth comes before the king, he's coming with fear. He's coming thinking, the jig is up. He's found out where I am. And uh, he's probably calling me so he can kill me. Wondering, is this going to be his end? But, amen, surprise, surprise. Instead, he's amazed to hear David say, 
everything of the inheritance that belongs to your family is going to be returned to you. I have appointed a caretaker of the properties. And since you're limited by your disability, I'm going to see that you are cared for here in the palace. He said, I'm giving it back. Yeah. <laughs> amen. All, amen. Do, do you know that, that I, I'm telling you, David is representative of the heart of God. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I'm giving it back. I'm giving it back to you. Yeah. Amen. It's going to be returned to you. And, and not only is it, and, and, and notice uh, the care that David has. David realized that Mephibosheth is in no shape to command and take care of the vast holdings that he's about to inherit. That he's not physically capable of, of, of taking care of it. And so notice the wisdom of David. David says, not only am I giving you back what, amen, rightfully should have been yours, but I have appointed a caretaker to take care of your stuff and to bring up and bring in your crop, amen, so that uh, uh, you'll have uh, 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 food in your barns and enough to eat. Hallelujah. Talking about a God who does uh, uh, more. He's, he's the God of more than enough. He's the God of more than enough. And, 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 and look at the picture that David uh, uh, does. Amen. He says, not only am I, I restoring and, and you're going to have uh, crops that produce, but he said, but, but, but on top of that, uh, you get to eat at my table. You, you, you get to eat at my table. Amen. I'm talking to you about the power of a covenant. You get to sit. Amen. You get to sit where my sons sit. Hallelujah. Power of a covenant. You're not blood. But you, but, 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 uh, but covenant is more powerful than blood. Had a covenant with your dad. Amen. And, and, and you're reaping the benefits of the covenant that I had with your dad. I'm telling you, covenants are powerful. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you'll get to sit at my table. Uh, and for all of Mephibosheth's life, the Bible says that he ate at the king's table. Amen. He was still lame. Amen. In uh, both Amen. He was still lame in both of his feet, but he sat at the table of the king and ate. And, 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 and you know that had to be a wonderful table. Yes, and another thing that I think about the table, amen, uh, Mephibosheth was still talked about. He was still crippled. Amen. I don't know exactly, you know, did he use crutches or did he have to, you know, I, I don't, uh, or, or somebody had to carry him. But one thing that I know, Amen. When he sat at the king's table, I want you to picture that. When he sat at the king's table and put his feet under the table, his infirmity was covered as he sat at the table. Amen. Amen. And, and, And he sat there 
and, uh, and, 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 and I can imagine the first time that some of David's sons looked over and like, who's that? Who's he? Why is he here? Amen. The, the, the blood sons of David. Why is he here? And David said, amen. He's here because I said he's here. Because of the covenant. Amen. He's here because I'm keeping my word that I gave to Jonathan. Now pass him the bread. Hallelujah. Pass him the potatoes. And get used to it because, amen, he's going to be he's going to be a regular attender here. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you today, Lord. Now, you might say, well, how does that relate to Christmas? Amen. And the story of Christmas. Well, uh, as I said, it's not a direct correlation to Christmas, but since we're having communion today, and it's not by accident that we've got the table of the Lord, amen, on the altar now. Uh, when it comes to Christmas, you know, uh, the story of Christmas is a tender story as well. Amen. It's the story of uh, the heart of God, of God so loving the world that he gave his son, who comes as a human child to become our savior. Amen. And uh, it is uh, that he might become the sacrifice for our sins. And, 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 and not only did, uh, is he the sacrifice for our sins, but he came to show us in human terms what God was really like. And uh, as we uh, prepare and we talk about setting the table for Christmas, uh, there are three things that I want to share with you um, as we talk about setting the table for Christmas in this Christmas season. Amen. The first thing that I want to share with you is that uh, we're starting the month off right with communion. And when we come to the table, amen, of communion, uh, we need to come with thanksgiving. Amen. We need to come to the table uh, with thanksgiving. Amen. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, even the, the, the idea of uh the Lord's Supper or communion. There's some reformations that call it uh, Eucharist, or uh, and and the meaning of that word is the giving of thanks. Amen. So uh, we want to start this month off, Amen. Uh, not uh, dreading the traffic that's going to be around the shopping malls, Amen. We want to start this month off as we. Uh, come to the Lord's table. Uh, not, you know, this is a time also uh, where people get appeals in the mail uh, to support various uh, organizations. Amen. And uh, they, they, they make their appeals uh, for uh, the various ones uh, during this time. It's not a time to, uh, uh, you know, uh, look down on the junk mail that's going to be in your mailbox asking uh, for an appeal. But this is the time to think about the goodness of God toward us. And, 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 and we need to come to the table, amen, with thanksgiving. Come to the table with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, uh, for keeping us another year. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for watching over our family. 
Amen. Thank you, Lord, for enlarging our family. Amen. We need to come to the table giving thanks. Is that all right? Amen. Not only do we need to come to the table giving thanks, we need to come to the table giving praise. Hallelujah. Amen. We need to come to the table giving praise. Amen. Give us, amen, a, 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 a Lord, put a praise in our heart. Amen. Uh, the concept of praise is uh, like a river. And uh, there's a stream out of which we drink. And it is passed by, amen, uh, and, and it's passed on by our gratitude. Amen. And that gratitude is not just only heaven, uh, uh, heavenly, amen, but gratitude for uh, the fellowship that we have with our brothers and our sisters. Amen. amen. Whom God has used to be a blessing in our lives. Amen. So uh, we come to the table to give thanks. We come to the table uh, to give praise. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. And then, amen, we come to the table to celebrate God's grace toward us. God's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Amen. Uh, And so... It is with a heart of praise, amen, a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of praise, and a heart of gratitude that we come to the table of the Lord. You see, many of us, amen, uh, like Mephibosheth, uh, uh, we might come to the table wounded. We might come to the table, amen, bruised. We might come to the table broken. But I'm here to tell you, amen, when you come to the Lord's table, just like at David's table, you remember I said, when Mephibosheth sat at the table and put his feet under the table, amen, he he looked just like anybody else sitting there. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, when you come to God's table, amen, and you partake of it the right way, amen, uh, amen. You'll find strength. Amen. You'll find healing for your brokenness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And uh, you'll be able to celebrate, amen, God's grace. Amen. All of that when you come to the table. You know, even the word celebration. You know, we talk about it being a holiday season. I'm almost done. Amen. When we talk about it being a holiday season... And people talk about, you know, uh, everybody, you know, the, you know, the, the decorations. And I'm, I'm not real big into decorating, but, uh, and, and I thank God my wife don't bother me. Amen. She likes to decorate, and I like to let her. And so it works out real good. Uh, but sometimes we see the, 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 the uh, various decorations. But you know what? There's a meaning behind them. There's a meaning behind. There's a meaning behind the reefs. Amen. There's a meaning behind the trees. There's a meaning behind the bowls and the lights. Amen. And that word celebration literally means to reobserve the significance. To re not just only remember, but reobserve. The significance represents your body. Lord, this we do in remembrance of thee. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.